Yeah, double dip. I love that. All right, so let's get into the word today. And uh, if we can have a look at this first scripture that we've been talking about from Acts chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles or your smartphones, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And this is the core scripture we've been anchoring the teaching on. So let's read it again. They devoted, it's talking about the early church and us looking at this, this scripture as a way to model off what were some of the key core values or ingredients of the early church uh, used to be able to build a strong uh, church. We, we're talking about the analogy of the inner core. We're calling it the inner core, this teaching series, because physically when you have a strong inner core, when you have good, strong abdominal muscles, okay, the research shows that it means your whole body moves, it's more agile, it's stronger overall, you have greater capacity to move. And so as a local church and also a global church, as men and women of God, uh, when we have the, the strong inner core values similar to the early church, it means that we're going to be spiritually strong individually and also as a church that gathers together. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That first sentence there was the whole, the key scripture that we used to anchor our previous teaching series that we did in November called Building Strong. We talked about these three main connection points. We talked about fellowship, which meant participation, it meant uh, partnership. We also talked about breaking of bread, which meant really hanging together, building relationship. And we also talked about the third connection point of praying together. And so that first part of that scripture there in Acts 2 is referring to that part that we covered last month in building strong. And then we're going deeper now into the next part, which is really about the inner core, these three core values of unity, of joy, and of generosity. So let's read this bit. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, unified, they were together, and had everything in common. So they had a, a, a common heart, a common mind, a common purpose. They were unified. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There was liberality in giving. There was a liberality, a sense of freedom. I would say freedom. Yeah. And understanding that, you know, it's about taking of our life and giving into uh, people around us and giving into the things of God. <clears throat> they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, again, meeting together, unified. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So there was a spirit of joy that was in operation in this early church. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so let's, again... Um, Summarize these three main values, these inner core values, these three core values, that as a church moving forward, we actually want these to be our core values as well, but we're encouraging to be some of your core spiritual values too. And the first one, if we could go to the next slide, the three core values, the first one is a spirit of unity. Everyone say unity. unity. We go to the next slide, the spirit of unity. There we go. So that was my message in part one. We talked about unity. The next one is the spirit of joy. Everyone say joy. joy. And that was the message that Pastor Sarah brought. And the third one is the spirit of generosity. Everyone say generosity. Generosity. Bit of a longer word there. The spirit of generosity. And that's what I get to talk about today. Generosity. Um, other versions talk about liberality. It's one and the same. Being able to be free. Liberal in terms of liberality. The freedom to give. The freedom to uh, lead your life with an open hand. Not to lead it with a clenched fist. Not to be a hoard and not to be so tight with the things of your life that you you don't have a freedom to be able to release things out of your life. And when God comes into your life 
and we understand we become members of the kingdom of God, people uh, knitted into the family of God, that God wants to teach us to lead with an open hand and not to lead with a closed fist. Liberality in our giving, into giving into people's lives, into giving into the purposes of the kingdom of God. Liberality was a clear value, it was a clear sign, it was a clear ingredient of the early church that was healthy. The life of God was flowing through the early church, and a key to that was the liberality of people as they gave. And so the spirit of liberality, I want to talk about the first, this, you know, first one that's actually mentioned in there uh, of liberality. So if you look at the previous passage of the scripture that we just talked about, we observe that those in the early church sold their possessions and distributed funds as people had need. Now, if you're thinking that this teaching message is all going to be about uh, writing down a list of all the things you currently possess and me encouraging you to sell those things and then just giving that money or giving them to someone else. Uh, well, if the Holy Spirit leads you to do that, praise God. But the teaching message isn't necessarily going to be all on that. It's going to be about the bigger picture. It's going to be about the principles and understanding what are we learning here that's important when it comes to building a strong spiritual inner core, and that is generosity. The big picture is that the early church operated. Everyone say operated. The word operated means they, fl they, they flowed with. It was in operation. It wasn't stifled. It was the, the switch was turned on. You don't know when something uh, is supposed to work, but there's no electricity connection, or the off switch uh, hasn't been turned on, and you're thinking, why isn't this thing flowing? Why isn't this thing going? Why isn't this thing moving? Why isn't this thing making sound? And you go, oh, okay, it's not in operation because it hasn't been switched on. And so in the early church, the operation of liberality, the operation of giving, the operation of generosity, the flow of it was switched on. The Holy Spirit, as he moved through people's hearts, there was a liberality, a freedom for people to give into one another's lives. So the big picture is that they operated with a spirit of liberality. So I want to bring in a little bit of teaching here. And as I bring a little bit of teaching in this introduction, then I've got two main angles that I want us to think about practically when it comes to the spirit of generosity. And you're going to have an opportunity. There's something exciting. Uh, don't think I'm going to be taking up uh, an offering. Uh, don't think we're going to be doing our offering uh, after this. Not that there'd be anything wrong if we did that, because we believe in giving. But we do have an opportunity at the end of this message for you to step out who knows that this is the month where it's Christmas time? Who loves Christmas? And so we have an opportunity where we've come up with, there's various things that we do at Christmas as a church historically, year upon year, where we want to give into the community, where we want to participate. Uh, but we've come up with a unique thing today called, the, and I'm going to mention later, we don't need to put that slide up, but I'm going to mention right there, called the Project of Blessing. But we want to be a blessing to the community during Christmas time. Who loves to impact people's lives practically? Come on now. Who loves it when you see those stories where uh, somehow someone was in a place of need, someone was in a place of brokenness, someone was in a place of just despair, and someone's heart moved forward and started to bring a practical blessing or a practical answer, and that person's, you know, they start crying, they start weeping, their despair turns to joy because the other human being has been an answer to what they needed. Who loves watching documentaries like that when you see like a transform? You know, you get moved, you get touched. Well, as a church, we're going to create an opportunity this Christmas season called the Project of Blessing, where we can do something practical for people in our world that maybe need help or need blessing for Christmas time to be an extension of Jesus into the community. So we're going to talk about that as a way to activate this message 
called the Project of Blessing. So I want you to have a sense of anticipation as we climax to that at the end of the service. But I want to bring a little bit of teaching beforehand. And so when we come to the spirit of generosity or the spirit of liberality, there were some unique circumstances that the early church encountered because of the consequences. When they were leading Judaism and they were birthing the early church, a lot of them had to move out of their homes. A lot of them had to kind of go into nomad positions. They had to kind of pitch tents and uh, a lot of them had to kind of drop their possessions. And so there was a real practical need to actually uh, help people out and to set them up. And so obviously there was that practical thing. And this necessitated what they did. However, the spirit that was at the root of their actions is something that we still need to be active in the church. There are some people in our church who do have needs. And we need to actually have uh, allow God to move so that we can help to uh, be the lighthouse into their life as well. But what we're talking about here is, is that it's not just about our needs being met, but it's also about how God can use us to meet other needs of people and how to build the kingdom of God. And so it's the spirit of generous, uh, generosity that has to be in operation. And so the, the early church was full of generous people. They were liberal in their giving. They were not hoarders. Now, what do we mean by a hoarder? What's a hoarder? Right? Someone who just kind of right, just hoards it all up, right? Now I'm going to make it, it's confession time for me. Right? I'm going to have a vulnerable moment. Who likes when Pastor Brad has a vulnerable moment? I'm going to get feedback. Who's more vulnerable, Pastor Brad? All right, here we go. I'm literally on my show. I don't want to scare you. We're not going to have that level of vulnerability. But I am not good. At generosity or liberality with my food. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when my family eat together, just last night, again, I should be making this confession because you all know how much I have a little bit of a love affair with carbohydrates. So uh, last night we decided, Saturday night, we're out in the heat doing some evangelism, and Sarah had to take Zara to some birthday parties. Oh, it's birthday parties galore at the moment. And uh, so, got home, had a swim in the pool, and we were hungry, and like, let's do Italian, right? Who knows Italian's good? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's good, but it's bad. But anyway, the, the lasagna, the pizza, and uh, Savannah had gone to bed, and Zara was still hanging around. She's always strategically still <laughs> hanging around when we order food. And... Um, we had garlic bread, it was like carbs over like lasagna, pizza, and garlic bread. Oh my goodness, I hope that I'm confessing this. Someone needs to sit me down But Zara was just, as she does so well, just still hanging around, hadn't gone to bed yet, right? And did the whole Sarah was here, I was here, she just kind of leans in, puts her arms over both our shoulders, looks at our meals, and says, that looks really good. <laughs> and I turned to my daughter and I said, Honey, you know the drill. Ask your mother. Ask your mother if you want some. I'm not sharing any of my food. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. But I did give her some garlic bread. I decided to open my heart. But... That's still confession time. I gave her the crusty bit. Of and <laughs> Everyone point your finger at me right now and say, food hoarder. Food hoarder. Okay? It's okay. I 
break off that spirit of accusation. <laughs> 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 but we hoard it, right? Oh, I'm having confession time. But we know sometimes in life, there are certain things about what we have and we kind of keep it to ourselves. And, you know, sometimes what the Holy Spirit is trying to, to get us to do is to open up more, okay, and not be kind of like this. Uh, and we're not just talking about finances or money. We're talking about sometimes our life, our home, our quality time, our words of encouragement. Sometimes, you know, we are kind of be in seasons and usually if we're a little bit fleshy, than the other being in spirit, we can kind of feel like, you know, it's just about me and, and hoarding. And look, I put my hand up and say, look, I get that as well. And so what, what this teaching is trying to do is just to say for us to be more aware about how God's encouraging us to say, hey, to bring health and to bring life into our church family and for the Holy Spirit to flow and for the moving of the Spirit and for God to bring fertility and fruit, fruitfulness, uh, we need to be aware that God is sometimes going to encourage us to have an open hand in certain situations, whether that's with giving of your time, giving of your finances, giving sometimes of uh, just being aware around what people need or what need, you know, uh, situations are out there so that we can actually be an extension of the arm of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So be encouraged today. Be encouraged that God is on the move and wants to help us out to open up our lives and have liberality and generosity flowing through our lives. <clears throat> and so the, the early church was full of generous people. Uh, they were not hoarders. They lived with an open hand rather than a closed fist. And any church that conducts itself, a church family, we're a church family, where we conduct ourselves with a spirit of liberality, uh, we will be a blessed church. We'll be a blessed people. We'll be a blessed community. Uh, there'll be moments when you're going to feel more liberal than others. Right? We get that. But if we can keep this on our radar, if we can keep our ear uh, inclined to the Holy Spirit, if we can stay open to the prompting of God to say, for Him to instruct us about where we can uh, be liberal, where we can be generous with other people in our church community, where we can have a more of that open hand, then God will bless that. God will it, it will enable us to, to hear the voice of the Lord and obey and make sure that there's a movement and there's a flow of generosity in this place. Who believes that that is healthy? Who knows that even within your own family, if there's a spirit of generosity in your own family home, there's a much better place. It's a much fruitful place. It's a much more fertile place where the blessing of God uh, arises. Same is true in our spiritual family as well. And sometimes God will want to get us to take stock and think, you know what, have I been a little bit tight? Have I been a little bit kind of closed off? Have I been a little bit hoarding of my time and, and, and my possessions and my focus and just meaning me and what I'm getting? And God would some, sometimes encourage us to break out of that because he knows the blessing that can come when we have a spirit See, it's not just an attitude, it's not just a mindset, it's a spirit, it's something, it's a dynamic, it's something of a spiritual realm where the Holy Spirit himself can flow through us. God is the most generous, the Holy Spirit is the epitome of a a generous spirit, right? The Holy Spirit uh, has come to us because of what Jesus has done on the cross. If you think about who the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit was released into our life because of the work of the cross. The work of the cross is the ultimate epitome of generosity, where God the Father took his only begotten Son and broke his body and shed his blood for the forgiveness of all of our sins so that we could be bought with a price for eternal purposes. 
Come on now. The most amazing sign, symbol, example of generosity was the work of the cross at Calvary. And from that act of generosity, the Holy Spirit himself was then able to be released upon the earth so that you and I could be filled with the dunamis power work of God, the enabling power of God to spread the kingdom of God, to actually be the extension of Jesus, so Jesus could be multiplied. Jesus could be multiplied in you and I to be the body of Christ to do the generous work of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a generous kingdom. It's a kingdom that says, I invite people into the things. I invite people to the table and I want them to partake. I don't care what color skin they have. I don't care what language they speak. I don't care what background they have. The invitation goes out to every single person on the planet to say, I have bought you at a, at a price, at a precious price, and I want to see you to come and be invited into all the inheritance with Christ Jesus. So the kingdom of God is an invitational, generous buffet of goodness and grace and mercy in the eternal love of God. And so who knows that if you and I are representing that very kingdom, we are ambassadors of that very kingdom. We are vessels, temples of that very spirit that lives in us. Then who knows that God would want us to show signs of generosity. And so it's important for us to be awakened afresh to the fact that God wants us to check in today and see how we're going. You know, there are some people, I've learned this, as I've got born into the kingdom, I've been a Christian now for 20 years. 20 years. And I've learned that there are some people, there are even some non-Christians, who don't even have a personal relationship with Jesus yet, the Holy Spirit's living inside them, uh, who have a great inclination to be givers, and because of the way they've been raised, the cults they've been raised in. Um, I'll put my hand up and tell you, I lived in a family where it wasn't naturally generous. Uh, I've got a story in a moment that I'm going to tell you, all right, about kind of the background that I came from. So when I got born into the kingdom, the whole idea of tithing and doing offering, that type of giving, the idea of kind of, you know, giving in to people was like, it was kind of like a little bit of a, yeah, I, I, I understood the principles, I learned it at school, but to actually kind of really have that as a core value of mine was foreign to me. And even though the Spirit of God came into me, I had to position myself to receive teaching, to actually change some of my mindsets, to know that the God that lived inside me, the God that saved me, was a generous God, and so that He was calling me to reflect that part of who He was. And I had to be taught that. I had to learn that. I had to catch that. It didn't come natural to me. In a minute, I'll share why. I'll give you a little bit of an example. But there are some people that have great inclination to be givers. It may be because of the way they were raised or their unique personality. But I found that the majority, the majority of people generally, we're not natural givers. There's something about our our kind of, you know, our self-focused self that we have to sometimes learn how to park so God can move through us. We have to work through that. We have to deal with that. We have to position ourselves to try to work out what is it that blocks us? What is it that hinders us? What is it sometimes that can restrict us from flowing with a spirit of generosity? You know, when little children are together, you watch little kids together, even just 
you know, Savannah's starting to get older now. She's starting to find her voice, praise God, because Sarah is a strong character, all right? She either wants to be a teacher or a policewoman. She loves telling people what to do and when to get it done by, right? And little Savannah, we thought, oh, she's, you know, but man, she's starting to find her voice, right? I'm starting to think we should call her the pushback princess. She's learning how to push back on her sister Zara now. But it's fun and fascinating because she's starting to grow and mature and learn some of those social things about pushing back on that strong personality of her elder sister. She's learning to stand up for herself more. And where Zara used to be able to go, oh, Savannah, you can play with that. Thank you. And Savannah would just go, and then turn and find something else. Now when Zara goes, oh, thank you, Savannah goes, no. And then Zara turns around and says, No, you stop. <laughs> and then she says, Stop. Come on. Come on. Yeah, girl. <laughs> Good on you. Standing up for yourself. Resilience. Praise Jesus. And so, they're watching our girls starting to play together now. And, uh, you know, we do not have to teach them how to be selfish. Zara, can I teach you how to be self-focused? I think you really need to learn. No, she doesn't need to be taught that. Right? But we need to teach them how to share. We need to teach them how to, to take what they have and to be okay for the other person to be having to go with that. To be releasing their toy into the hands of their sister. And being okay for the sister to go and have some playtime. That sense of being generous, being open, not being so possessive, not hoarding. I'm saying, no, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. When little children uh, are together, invariably while they are playing with toys, you will hear the word, mine, mine, yeah. mine. Yeah. Children, I can hear the childcare director going, yes, amen, amen, thank you, amen. Children do not naturally share, right? Now, you may have an exceptional angel, God bless you, right? It's <laughs> perfect, right? It's chairs, actually, right? But most children have to be taught, you know, the importance of sharing and caring and all these principles because it's in direct opposition to their sinful nature, right? And uh, children, uh, you know, they hold on to what is theirs. They do not want any other child to play with it. They must be taught to share. They must be taught not to be possessive over natural things. And I want to, you know, share my, you know, when I was growing up, uh, even though I had a brother, he was 12 years older than me. Brother Rod, and so he was more like an uncle when I was growing up, rather than a brother, right? Because there was such a gap. And so, even though I had a brother, I really was raised like a only child, and it was all about me and what I wanted. And you know, my mum and dad were in their early forties when I was born, and so I was a high energy, very talkative, very strong, bordering on well, not bordering on, sometimes very much a brat. Uh, my goodness, there's a spirit of confession <laughs> on me. It's just all opening up right now. <laughs> and so, and so I was, I, you know, I used to get what I wanted, and blah blah blah. And so, my mum and dad, you know, they're a little bit older, so as the, you know, I was a baby, so they'd give in more easily. And my brother would, you know, sometimes tell me stories about, man, you just get it easy compared to what I did. But interesting, even though we grew up in a really successful middle kind of class home, went to a private school, you know, we were comfortable. We weren't what I would call wealthy or rich, but we were comfortable. Middle class home, and, uh, but 
you know, there were signs where the culture in our home was very much around us and it's what we're doing and what we're, you know, focusing on. My dad was actually very much into charity. I have to say dad was probably the most generous uh, example of our whole family. He was... Uh, he wasn't a Christian, but he did a lot of work with Rotary, did a lot of work with the community, and he was very generous with his time because he was running a full-time business, but he was president of Rotary, and that was a lot, a lot of hours that he you know, devoted to that and wasn't getting paid for that. So he would probably be the best example of generosity I found. But my mum was, uh, was interesting. God bless my mum. Both my parents are past now, but I remember times with mum, particularly when she had struggles with alcohol, that she had these very ferocious, sometimes self-focused seasons. And I remember, you know, sometimes reflecting on my childhood, and there was a time around Christmas where the, the local kind of kids in the neighborhood, um, around Christmas, because it was really, really hot, we used to do this thing where, um, you know, they kind of come over and you'd give them, you know, ice blocks and they'd play in the pool, and you'd go over to their house maybe the next week, and. You know, you'd get given ice blocks. The ice block theme was, you know, you know, what's your favorite ice block that you're getting and, you know, what flavor do you make your life? And so pretty much this whole thing in a neighborhood was when you went over to one of your neighbor's, uh, you know, houses to swim in the pool and all the other kids were there, there was always going to be some type of ice block, some type of ice cream, and that was a big thing that you were focusing on. And, and I remember my mom, when we had all these people come over, mom preparing kind of like the day before or two days before, she went into the freezer. There's just this one-off story to share. And there are some ice blocks. Even the milk kind of based ice blocks. And they've been in there for like a long time. Like maybe 18 months. Like shoved right at the back, kind of hit with heart frost. So she gags them out. Right? She's like, oh, I couldn't be bothered going to the shop to get some ice blocks. I think there's some back here somewhere. Yeah, literally stuck to the back of the freezer, right? Yanks them out. And there's these, I remember they were Tom and Jerry cartoon kind of themed. I think it was Peter's Tom and Jerry vanilla milk, milky ice box, right? And um, I think they'd been open. I think we'd only had one when we first bought them, and there was a, you know, 11 left out of 12, and they'd been shoved at the back, forgotten about. They'd been there. She looked at the expiry date, and I remember her thinking, and she starts laughing. Like, oh, oh, that's a bit old. Ah, oh, it'll be right. <laughs> They're just kids. They'll deal with it. <laughs> anyway, so the friends came over uh, a couple of days afterwards, and so she pulls out these ice blocks. And I know. I know what these ice blocks are and how old they are. I'm thinking, I'm going to do this. But anyway, she handed them out. She's very strong. Pretty much if you told her, no, because I pushed back on her, she would push back 10 times stronger. And so she handed out these ice blocks. And they unwrap them and they were all like just twisted and frosted, and so they're biting into them. <laughs> you ever had a milky ice block that's really old and it's not smooth anymore? It, as it melts, it kind of just fractures in your mouth, and it's all kind of brittle and, and the textures, it's the texture that's the worst. So the facial expressions of all these kids are like. All the kids except for one lied. One kid just said, These are really old. <laughs> Who are you giving us these? And then my mom said, No, 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 that's just the style of ice block. Right? 
And I'm just sharing this story to say that was kind of like the culture that I was raised in. It's an extreme story, but it just highlights that sometimes it's just when you think about, you know, just going the extra mile or just kind of, you know, setting up something for someone to kind of give something in terms of quality or making a good experience for someone or helping someone out. It's the spirit in your life that wants to operate. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants you to be generous. He wants you to give quality into people's lives. He wants you to to speak words of life into people. He wants you at times to have your ear open to where you can give into people. Another classic example is, you know, when you think about, I don't know about you, but when I when I grew up, the idea of giving something to a church, you know, maybe donating something, is once it was broken, right? So I grew up in the Anglican church. Who here has heard of the Anglican church? So I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. I believed in Jesus, but never had a relationship with Jesus. And so we went to the Anglican church, and the only time we would really give something to the church was because it was broken, right? The furniture, oh, it's broken. Let's give it to the church, right? And so the church to me was considered like a dumping ground that you just dump everything that's broken, right? I've better give it to the church and take it to the tip. Right? In fact, the church is closer. It would take me longer to drive but to go to the tip. So I was taking to the church, right? Who here knows what I'm talking about? And so again, it's important to understand that God wants us to kind of take a check around what's the quality of our generosity like in our lives? What's the quality like? Because I think the greatest challenge from this whole message would be this. If the quality of generosity of people on earth who don't have Jesus living on the inside of them is greater than the quality of people who are representing Jesus, what kind of message are we sending to the world? And again, when I'm talking about generosity, I'm not just talking about money. I'm not talking about how much money you're giving. I'm talking about having a spirit of generosity. Having a spirit of generosity. So, as it is in the natural, so is it in the spirit. Church members, I believe, I think it's important here, I think we might have a slide there, but, you know, I believe that church members must be taught to give. I think there's, you know, but you've noticed recently that uh, in our offering messages, we're just praying over the offering. And the reason we're doing that, I'm going to be transparent and share with you as a church, <clears throat> because I think we're in a season where we don't have to hear our offering message every week, to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you why, because um, you should already know that, that that's an important part of, of your expression of your faith. But what we can do is maybe have a teaching series where we can go into specific practical ways of teaching people how to understand how to be good stewards of the things that God has given you. Whether it be giving into the kingdom of God, whether it be giving to people in need in the community. There's all these different practical ways the Bible says spiritually you can give, you can be generous, that will also bring a blessing into your life. And so... I want to share with you to say that I do believe people have to be taught the importance of generosity. It doesn't just naturally come to every single person. Mm-hmm. So be encouraged. Maybe you're in a position in your life where you do need some mentoring in terms of being generous. I know I needed some mentoring in terms of how to, to open up my heart and my life to be a more generous person. It didn't come naturally to me. And so church members, I think, must be taught to give. Giving is not something that people will automatically do without instruction or understanding or revelation sometimes. There's always exceptions to this, but this is just generally what I've found. And so uh, I think it's important for there to be a teaching around biblical principles that govern giving and generosity and liberality so that people can actually be really blessed 
by that teaching and start to explore what is it like to reflect that part of who God is, the God that we worship. What is it like? I want you to think about this question. What does it feel like? What does it feel like to reflect that part of who God is in your own life? In a moment, when we end this teaching, I'm going to give you some examples of how this amazing church has given to other people and met people's needs. Some great examples to encourage you that we actually already as a church do this really, really well. But I want to encourage you, particularly this is, you know, with the first of December, it's Christmas time. How can we actually really be impacted when we open up our lives and we're generous in this particular season? I believe a, a strong church will be a giving church, a generous church. It's important that a congregation is taught the importance of both tithe and the offering, which both belong to the Lord and to be brought to the storehouse. It says that in Malachi 3. We've got that slide there that I just read out. It starts with, it is important. So it is important that a congregation is taught the importance of both the tithe and the offering, which both belong to the Lord and to be brought to the store, storehouse. Malachi 3. We've got that one there? No. Okay. For believers, the storehouse is the local church. I want to share this with you. Um, I believe the tithes should go into the local church. I don't believe the tithes should come into another ministry or another parachurch ministry. Uh, that's what I've been taught. I believe that's biblically um, true. Um, and that's our philosophy. That's what we believe here. The offerings can be done with different things. You can give offerings into your local church. You can go, give offerings to charity. You can give offerings. You can do with offerings. And so it's important to be biblically alive that the tithe is always for the storehouse, where you're going and you're feeding regularly. Yes, there's great parachurch ministries. There's great projects that God does. But we believe here at Forever House that biblically the teaching is clear. The tithe is to come into the storehouse. That's important. Because where you're feeding regularly is where you need to actually be investing back into. Because the kingdom of God is a two-way street. It's really important. And to understand the difference of how the body of Christ is expressed. The local church is the fundamental platform of the expression of who Jesus is as the key shepherd. Parachurch ministries are awesome. We support those. We speak words of life over those. We encourage all of those expressions of faith and the extension of the kingdom of God but they should not take priority in terms of your giving of the tithe over the local church. That is biblically aligned teaching. A strong church will be a giving church. It will have strong givers. There will be people within the church who possess the gift and ministry of giving. And this will be their motivation and purpose for being in that local church. Sometimes people, that's their ministry in their local church. They're called to be givers, to give beyond their tithe. And these people, they're anointed and appointed to do that. Their greatest joy will be the financial contribution they give on a regular basis. They have that bent of what I call extreme uh, spirit of liberality. Not everyone's called to do that, but there are some people that are positioned to do that. And it's important, though, overall for all of us to allow our faith to arrive to a place where we come into active giving into our local church. And so I want to talk about these two angles because the second angle we're going to talk about is giving towards people in need. Everyone say people in need. Because that's where I'm going to end and that's where we're going to activate today. It's one of uh, our greatest passions, Pastor Sarah and I, 
Um, we love to give to people personally in need, not just in this, this house, but outside. But we also want to see that activated across our entire congregation. And we've got some great examples in a moment. We're going to share that. But before we do that, I do want to talk about, number one, a spirit of generosity towards your local church and the ministry you partner with. And so we're going to look at the scripture here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 to 19. Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 to 19. Here we go. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, this is Paul speaking to the Philippians church. So this is the Apostle Paul who's speaking. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. That even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so I want to bring some teaching about this particular scripture in Philippians because Apostle Paul does something quite specific here when he's talking back to the Philippians church. So what's happened here is the Philippians church has operated. Everyone say operated. operated. They've operated in the spirit of generosity, in the spirit of liberality. And Paul said something very interesting. He said, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving. So what he's saying here is, after, up until the Philippians church, before that, Paul had ministered everywhere. And after all Paul had done in the way of laying down his life to bring the gospel to different regions, the church at Philippi was the only church. I'm going to say only church. It was the only church that was contributing and sowing back into the very ministry that was doing all that work. It was the only church. However, they, in this scripture, are the only church of which Paul declared, my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So catch this bridge. Everyone say bridge. bridge. Another word for bridge is connection. Right? There's a key connection here. Paul's teaching here, he's saying... Of all of the work of the kingdom of God that I've done, you are the only church that has taken of your possessions or finances and sowed into the very work that has been received. And therefore, he says, because of that, and he declares this over that particular church, my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So the Philippians church, the Philippians were commended for their spirit of liberality. Now again, what does the word liberality mean? It means the freedom to give. Let's look at the word freedom. What's the opposite to the word freedom? Someone shout it out to me. Slavery, bondage, restriction, hindrance, a locking, locked up. And so what he's saying here is that there were other churches that were locked up from responding to the ministry that they received, and they weren't able to release anything back into that ministry. There was a locking up. I believe that at pivotal moments in men and women of God's lives, that God wants to unlock 
your ability to be generous, to be able to give, to be able to sow seed, to come into that place of revelation. But it will always take your ability to be open to the law and to the scripture and say, God, do you want to help me with this? I believe sometimes Christians will walk their whole life on earth and never come into the freedom of giving. And they'll want to receive everything. They'll want to receive the blessing of the Lord. They'll want to receive the prophetic words from the ministers. They'll want, to, they'll want their pastors to sit down with them and speak words of life into them and encourage them. They'll want to receive revelation from the Lord and direction in their life. They'll want to receive healing. They'll want to receive breakthrough. They'll want to receive everything. Now, watch this. The kingdom of God is never a one-way street. See, if you can't catch this, you'll miss out. You'll miss out on how the kingdom of God actually works. It's always about a flow. Now, what we're saying here again is it's not about money by itself or finances, but it's about the ability to unlock generosity in your life. Unlocking it. And I think what's really healthy is to use this word today and think, what is the condition of my heart in terms of being able to just give to other people, to give into the kingdom of God? Is there is something locked up? And if it is, what is it that's caused that? Is it hurt? Is it wrong teaching? For example, let me share this with you. Let, I hope today you're seeing this from a father's heart perspective. Because the very thing that I'm teaching here right now, I will be instructing my daughters when they come to a place of maturity to understand. Because as a father, I do not want to see them locked up in their life to be praising Jesus, but not to have the freedom in their life to be able to give out of the very thing that God's given to them. I remember one time when we first started Forever House, maybe we'd been only been doing our the church for 18 months. I started to build a community and I had someone on my heart, the Lord said to me, I want you to give $50 to this person, they're in need. They're struggling and you know they've been paying their bills and they just don't have enough money for petrol and you need to give them $50. So that Sunday, I went and I gave this person $50. And they cried and I said, oh my goodness, I've been praying. I've just been praying for God. I just needed $50. Thank you so much. They were crying and it was moving and we prayed for them. Watch this. The following Sunday, I want you to really listen in here. Because sometimes people, they receive wrong teaching. Their mindsets can either be cause them to be like this or their mindsets can cause them to just be unwise with the whole thing of giving and stewardship and generosity. And sometimes they try so hard not to be like this, catch this now, that they swing their pendulum the other way and they become religious. Watch this story. This person came back the next Sunday and said, Pastor Brown, I just want to again thank you so much for being led by the Holy Spirit to give that I just want you to know that today, this is after the, the next Sunday service, I just want you to know that I've taken that $50 and I've sowed that in as an offering to the church. Now watch this. 
I want you to catch this, because what I'm about to tell you, you're probably expecting the opposite for me to say. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I really praise that person for what they did. Maybe you're sitting there thinking that as a pastor, I oh, well, well done. That was so good of you to do that. How fantastically spiritual of you. What happened in that moment is that person revealed to me their misunderstanding between seed that you're given to sow and receiving a blessing. Different. And when I investigated, I found this person had not received good teaching and that giving for them was just a religious thing to do because they were told to do it, but they didn't have the understanding or the revelation of the dynamics of the kingdom about the different ways and forms of giving. And so I sat this young man down and I said, you know what? I know in your heart you probably think you've done the right thing. You've done the wise thing. They can't give you some counsel. And some of you might be thinking, but what if God told him? Or we, I covered that. I actually said, did God actually tell you? Because we believe in people hearing from. We don't control people. People can hear the voice of the Lord. So we always make room. I said, did God actually tell you to do that? You've checked it first. Did you get a prompting, sensing that God was on? No, I just thought, well, that's what I should do, right? So in that moment, I said, well, can I counsel you? And he said, yeah. I said, what I did was I heard the Lord, and he told me to take seed and to sow it into your life because it was to meet a need. Now, I know because the principles of God, I'll be blessed by that because I'm beating to the Lord. But in that moment when you were receiving, you were receiving provision. You were receiving an answer. You had immediate needs. And so I said to this person, so what did you do in terms of being able to get to work and being able to, I couldn't go to work. (laughs) Because I thought that was the thing to do. I said, can I just let you know we need to bring some my teaching here, that what you should have done with that $50 is use it to meet your need. Unless God had told you otherwise, that there has to be wisdom and stewardship. Everyone say stewardship. See, he, everyone might religiously think, oh, what a spiritual thing to do. How spiritual. How giving. Can I be blunt? Right? Not that I use this word, but that was, you know, not smart. <laughs> Just lacking wisdom, but coming from not 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 being taught. Okay, not this person's fault, but they were ignorant or green to the principles around stewarding, taking seed. You know that seed is not misrepresented by money. Yeah. You know your words are seed. That's why what you sow into the atmosphere, what you sow over your family's life is also seed. Your gifts and talents are seed. Your time is seed. So Lord wants you to be generous in your stewardship of your seeds. But watch as the Lord says that he will give seed to the sower. So when you take on the identity that your seed is not for you to hoard but to give, then he'll give you more seed to give. 
But every time the Lord gives into you, it doesn't mean that you take that and give all of that away. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To bring against the balance. I'm very passionate about this. When I mentor people who are fairly new to church life, and sometimes people who've been hurt because of other teachings they've received from other churches. Now, I've had some people who've been in an environment where there's been a lot of hype around a giving offering. And they've gone and given, calling it under the umbrella of faith, but they've gone into massive debt. I said the spirit of generosity should never be separated from the spirit of wisdom. They should be married together. That's good stewardship. That's good stewardship. And so I want to encourage you, you're here today, to maybe let someone know here that you need mentoring or you want some guidance, you want teaching, because when you can get good, solid revelation, and teaching around the kingdom principles and how the kingdom of God operates when it comes to giving and generosity, it will open up things into your life that may have been blocked previously. And so the Philippian church operated with such a spirit uh, spirit of liberality. Port said something very interesting. No church shared with them concerning giving and receiving except for that one. And he declared over that church... My God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Philippians were commended for their spirit of liberality and generosity. Paul said that the contributions they made to the ministry were a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, a well-pleasing to God. He said that their contribution to the ministry was actually making an impact in heaven when churches begin to function with a sense of liberality and generosity. It does impact the kingdom of God. I want to have a look at this uh, scripture here. We're going to finish on the second point. Charles Finney, which is a, he was an American lawyer. We can go to that one. Charles Finney, just a quote. American lawyer turned preacher, and he was known for his strong preaching on holiness. But he also discovered that revival followed generous congregations. He found out through all of his uh, ministry, traveling from different churches and seeing God move, that there was something between revival, spiritual life, spiritual fruitfulness. Again, we're, we're looking at the early church's model. It was full of life. And there was a connection between revival and generous congregations. And this is his quote here. As I have gone from place to place working for revival, I have always found that churches are blessed in proportion to their liberality. Where they support the gospel and give generously to God's treasury, they have been blessed both spiritually and materially. But where they are stingy, the church is not blessed. I've also found it generally true that young converts are more inclined or most inclined to join churches making liberal efforts. So again, he's not just talking about finances here, but efforts, giving of their time. Come on now giving off their gifts, giving off their talents, when there's a liberal, oh, when there's a freedom, when there's a freedom. Now, who knows that we believe in balance? Yeah. Who knows that your family comes before any form of ministry? Amen. Yeah. I teach it all the time and I'm mentoring people. So catch my heart here. I'm not saying go and sacrifice quality time with your family and your children and your husband and wife for doing 
church project. <laughs> Turn the person next to you and say, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. We're not talking about, again, being core stewards of your family and sacrificing your family on the altar ministry. Not healthy. We're not into that. That's not who we are from now. <laughs> family is the starting point of your ministry. Because you could be saving yourselves for Jesus, but yet if your family is drowning in sorrow, come on now. Yeah. So I just want to bring a little balance. But what we're saying there is sometimes in today's day and age, there's such protection of our time and we're so precious that we've swung the pendulum potentially too far the other way and now there's no real freedom to give anything of ourselves to the work of God. And maybe the focus is always about what we're receiving and what's being sown into our lives. So it's interesting here about this particular revelation that Charles Finney got, the connection between the two. The second thing I want to talk about is a spirit of generosity and liberality towards people in need. So the first one we talked about was generosity and towards your local church and the ministry that you partner with. The second thing that I want to talk about there, if we could go there, number two. Number two, a spirit of generosity and liberality towards the people in need. Who knows that this is important? Pastor Sarah recently preached about love. And the Bible says love, faith, hope, but the greatest of these is love. Two commandments, love your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love people as you would love yourself. And again, we want to encourage people about having generosity. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We just looked at that. But we can also apply this here. In this verse, Paul tells the Philippians that his God is going to supply all of their needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I want to have a look at this scripture here from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. What a name. I haven't got his middle part in there. Henry Wadsworth. He's uh, also got a part of his name called Longfellow. Hilarious. <laughs> Give what you have to someone it may be better than you dare to think. I want us to read that two more times. Give what you have to someone it may be better than you dare to think. Give what you have to someone, it may be better than you dare to think. I can tell you now, some of the greatest times of being blessing, Sarah and I blessing someone is, uh, not again going to the example where something's broken, but maybe we have a washing machine at home and we're going to upgrade. So the washing machine still works. And we're going to upgrade a new washing machine. And instead of just thinking, oh, the old washing machine, that can bless someone. Taking a white good, and thinking of someone who maybe is younger than us or someone who's not in that season where they've been able to source their own white goods. The times that I've seen a church family actually thinking of how they can actually bring provision or bring a blessing to someone's need and what it can do for that person. Do you know that when I first became a Christian, <laughs> I had nothing. And my first church, I mean, I remember receiving a fridge. It was a little bar fridge. I was a bachelor. Do you remember, do you remember that bar fridge? Or I see this little bar fridge, right? And I was like, yes, I've got a fridge. 
it was given to me by some family in the church, and you know they were used it around their pool, but they weren't using it anymore. And it wasn't broken. It wasn't like that crazy thing of it and just give it a song. It was broken. It was working. But they gave it to me. They heard that I didn't have a fridge. And that little bar fridge, oh, it was such a blessing in that season. And I remember first cleaning it out, plugging it in, hearing it hum. <laughs> my, little, my little studio bachelor pad, and when I say studio, that sounds really great, but uh, it, was, it was a very interesting place that I lived. It actually felt more like a little prison. There was hardly any natural light. It had one little door, and I remember the creak of the, the front door, and you know. <laughs> that little bar fridge. And it would hum, and as I go to sleep, I could hear it hum. It's like, oh, that bar fridge. That's a fridge. These little things. One of the most famous miracles in history began with a small boy's gift. In John 6, 9, Andrew asks Jesus how they would be able to feed the multitudes in front of them. The answer came in a young man offering his lunch. Jesus blessed and broke the small, the, the small amount of food and he gave it then to the disciples. And as they gave what they had been given, as they gave what they'd been given, as they gave, what they've been given. Let me say it three more times. As they gave what they've been given, as they gave what they've been given, as they gave what they've been given, the food multiplied so much that every person was fed to satisfaction. There's a principle in that. Sometimes you think, oh, well, I'm not, I won't give that. That's not going to really bless someone. Step out. Giving and generosity and liberality, it creates miracles. In people's lives. When I got that fridge given to me, my mindset about my life started to change. I thought, I've got a fridge. Okay, maybe I can do this. Now that I've got a fridge, maybe I can believe for what? Ice box and something else. And so it was the generosity of my church family that started to shift my mindset and my identity around. I can start to build a life. Don't ever think that God can't bring even identity-shifting miracles in people through your generosity. You know, this church, one of, one of our absolute joys in leading this church has been, I'm just going to ask um, Kevin with a guitar if you could pop up, my brother. Thank you. Seeing examples of giving that's happened to meet people's needs within the church. Might have just lost that away. Let's just drop there. Within the church and outside the church. I want us to show up, uh, throw up here some examples. Could we do that? Now, this is just over the last 18 months. This is not over the last 10 years. I, I didn't have time to think that far back. These are examples of meeting people's needs within this church. It's not even talking outside of our church. Providing food hampers, cooked dinners for a whole week for families, groceries, organizing groceries for people, their rent payments, 
being made, bills getting paid, school fees getting paid, people's courses paid in full to help to create employment. Car repair fees to get people back on the road being paid. People being given cars. I think, whoa. <laughs> but yep, that one had a couple of people have it. That one it was another one just recently. Providing baby care needs, furniture and electrical goods, gifts and blessings to help people during their grief of losing loved ones, helping people move house for a practical one, praying for people's medical pain, not praying, pain. Prayer was good, but pain's better, usually in those situations. Amen. Paying for people's medical bills and or family members' medical bills. Providing rooms for people to stay. Offering people paid work. I just had a conversation the other day where a businessman in this church is offering an opportunity for someone to come and work for paid work. What a great door of generosity to open unto that person. Paying for spiritual education courses and counselling. Maybe things, specialist things that people need outside the general practitioner of a local church. A specialist marriage counsellor or a specialist person with a healing ministry where there has to be a fee for that particular course. And so paying for that so someone can go through that. This is just the last 18 months. Various examples of our church. Sometimes it's been the actual church leadership or the church doing that for the people, and sometimes it's been individuals or families in that church doing it towards another individual, another family. Can I just say this? This is a sign of healthy church family. Come on now. It's good, it pleases God. That's all I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. This is important to God. Just to summarize this teaching series, we're going to talk about a project at the moment that we can participate in for Christmas time as a church. But just in a summary, let's lock in, let's just pray over these three core values that we've learned from the book of Acts. Just close your eyes. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, this teaching series is about being able to bring some teaching to strengthen our inner core as a church body, as a church family. Building our spiritual abdominal muscles so that we're able to be strong and effective. We're able to have greater capacity and capability in our purpose and calling as a church family. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for the value of unity, the spirit of unity. Lord, it's such a key to being strong spiritually as a team, as a church family, as Christians. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to release and help us to grow and to strengthen the value and the spirit of unity in this house. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the spirit of joy that was taught about. And Lord, that it was taught that it is one of our superpowers. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I thank you, Lord, for the value of joy, the spirit of joy. Let it grow. Let it continue to bloom in this house, in people's lives. 
Lord, as we spend time with you, Lord, as we spend time in your word, Lord, as we spend time in your presence, as we receive new, fresh oil from heaven, Lord, let it bring joy into our lives that helps us to be sustained through circumstances and through seasons. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for the value of generosity and the spirit of generosity. Let it be something that's evident. Let it be something that you continue to build and continue to grow in this house that will strengthen us. I thank you, Lord. Unity, joy, generosity. Lord, that you're bringing alignment, that you're bringing strength, that you're bringing depth, that you're bringing substance to a new place, to a new level in our lives as we relate as we speak with one another, as we hang out with one another, as we serve with one another, as we pray for one another, as we prophesy over one another, as we speak life into one another, as we help one another, as we love one another, as we encourage one another, strengthen this inner core of us spiritually. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we thank you, God. Amen. Amen.